Good morning. My name is Jacob. I'm the preaching minister at the church. I wasn't here last week. My family was on vacation, and I miss you guys. It's so good to see your faces. It's so good to sing with you. I want to say hello. Let's let's open with a prayer. Lord God, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for your presence in our worship gathering. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you that through Jesus, we're connected with you, always. Thank you for knowing, for seeing. Thank you for caring. Thank you for loving. And thank you for equipping us through your word, through the example of Christ, through the sacrifice of Christ. I pray that you'll give us ears to hear this morning the things you want us to know, the things you would have us do in the name of Jesus. I pray that anything I say that can be useful for following Jesus, for your church, for us being the light and salt of the world, I pray that that will be heard, that that will be remembered, that that will be embraced this morning. If I say anything that's not true to your heart, I pray that it will be forgotten, I pray that it will be forgiven. We pray that your spirit will abound in our hearts and in our daily decisions pray that you will equip us and help us to overcome evil and overcome the evil one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll start with a video illustration. I'm just going to ask Claire to hit play on this video and let it speak for itself. I'll say a little bit afterwards, but just go ahead and take a look at this prank video that I came across. Some days it just feels 
like it's not there. Some days it feels harder than others. Some days we just don't have the zeal for worship that we've had in the past. Some days it seems harder than other days to be like Jesus. Some days it's hard to forgive. And we're not only saying, it's hard, and I'm trying, but I can't. Some days we just say, I don't even want to try. Following Jesus can seem harder than usual at times. It's almost like this, there's this invisible force that's pushing against us. I ride my bike into the office here most days. I go from Springtown to, to here, and I'm, I'm on the same route every day. I ride my bike, and it's, it's good. I'm used to it. I know what to expect. But some days it just feels harder. Those hills feel steeper. Or if I'm driving on a flat, why am I having to put so much more energy into this? And if I stop and think about it, I realize, oh, it's probably the wind. If it's a windy day and the wind's blowing against me, I'm like, ah, I just, it seems the same, but it's not. There's some invisible force that is keeping me from being able to do the things that I know I ought to do. It can feel like that in our walk of Christ. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. This is from Romans chapter 7. He identifies this, this, this is a visible force at work. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And he goes on to say, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. It's frustrating. Like those people in the outdoor shower, the shampoo that just won't go away. Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? answer to that question. Thanks be to God who delivers me through, say this next part out loud with me, Jesus Christ our Lord. In this passage, Paul refers to these unseen forces that are at work around us. He refers to them as sin and evil. In our modern world, we've kind of gotten away from using these terms, acknowledging them, believing in them. My guess is that in your typical conversations with folks outside of our Sunday morning worship times, you don't talk a lot about evil or about sin or about the devil. There's a lot of reasons for that. I've pointed some of these out before. One of them is just that we are all product of Enlightenment philosophy. We have, about 200 years ago, uh, our world said, you know what? People used to believe in that kind of stuff. They used to believe in the unseen and they gave names to it, but we, we studied it more. We, we are more interested in things that we can test, we can reproduce, that we can prove, that we can see, that we can explain. We've gotten a lot better at understanding our world. But going along with that is sort of this loss of belief in unseen things. There's this attitude that says devils and demons and spirits and angels and all these things that we used to tell ourselves to explain the things that we couldn't see and we couldn't understand. Well, we can see those now. We're smarter now. We know better. We're going to cast those things aside. But maybe you've thrown the baby out 
is the backwater. We've given ourselves too much credit for the things that we can know and explain. Another reason we don't talk about these things is because we just don't like to. John shows up. What are we talking about this morning? Little thing that I say, we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about Christ's open arms. Now we're going to talk about the devil. Oh, okay. It's a little weird. Those things are they're kind of strange. When I was a kid, my friend Kenny Phillipson and I went to this carnival, and there was a haunted house, and it was one of the big rides that you have to go through. It cost four tickets. It was the most number of tickets you had to pay to go through this carnival ride. And we were out maybe eight or nine, uh, and we were like, we're going to do this, but we were freaked out. We're like, we don't want to see the haunted house, but we kind of have to, because all of our friends are doing it. So here's what we're going to do. We made a deal with each other. We're going to pay the four tickets. We're going to sit in a little car. We're going to go through the, the hall of horrors with the, you know, the sounds and the scary things jumping out at us, but we're going to keep our eyes closed the entire ride. We're not going to look. I, I remember sitting in that car and hearing like, ah! Probably scary, but I don't see it. I just want to know. Lights flash, we can see the difference, but like, I mean, literally, that's how we spent our four tickets. We rode the ride, but we didn't want to see it because it's a little bit scary. That's how our attitude can be. We're talking about spiritual forces that are negative. Maybe someone in the past talked too much about it in your life. Talking too much about the devil trying to trip you up, and oh, I get it, you know, there's a devil who's trying to trip us up. Let's talk about something else for a while. Talking too much about the things that can drag you into hell. Maybe, and forgive the pun here, you're just burnt out on all of it, and you want to say, let's talk about more. Tons of things. It's understandable. But we have to acknowledge the fact that our New Testament authors, the people who wrote the scriptures that we read and that we believe, including Jesus himself, were not shy about acknowledging spiritual realities. Those of God, those of the, the heavenly realm, those of negative spiritual forces. They named these things. And it's important for us to know these names, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple months. Go with me to another passage that Paul wrote. This is a letter he wrote to a church in Ephesus, and he's talking about salvation in Christ, but kind of along the way, he mentions the three enemies of the soul what we're going to be talking about, identifying and understanding. See if you can catch all three of them. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, here comes the good news again. Paul loves telling the good news. He makes it his life's mission to explain this is where we were and this is where we are because of Christ. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. That's an awesome gospel message notice the enemies that Paul explains and identifies? He wants people to know about them. During Paul's time, people may very well have all understood that because they talked about it. We are less familiar with that in our time because we don't talk about it as much. We don't believe it. We don't acknowledge it. But we need to understand when we hear Paul that there's a name for these spiritual forces at work. And Paul identifies them there. 
He says, yes, just like in the shampoo video, we see something is wrong. And I'm going to tell you the thing that is wrong so you can be equipped to withstand them. They are opposing forces to doing God's will. And he identifies at least three of them here. Number one, the world. Claire, could you go back on the slide? I want to see if we can point these out. In which you follow the ways of this world. This is not the only time that this shows up. There was this common understanding, uh, this word that we see, the world. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. The second one is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That is the devil. That's the thing I told John we'd be talking about this morning. Another name for the devil. And then the last thing, the cravings of the flesh. Go first to the next one. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. The devil, the flesh, and the world. These are the three enemies of the soul that we need to be aware of and not scared of. We don't need to do this with me and Kenny Phillipson because yes, they, they are real and yes, they can be scary, but they're not something that we should be nervous about. Because as Jesus has shown us and as the scriptures we're going to look at in these first two months of this year will show us, there's a defense against us. There's a way to equip ourselves to not be let me give you just a quick overview about these three things, and I'm going to talk a lot more about them in the coming weeks. I'm actually really excited to do this because I think it's going to be very useful and practical, helpful as we start this new year. But just real quick, the devil. The devil's main thing is to lie. The devil is a liar. If you want to go ahead sometime this week and listen, overhear the conversation with Jesus and the Pharisees from John chapter 8, you're going to hear him talking about the devil. Being a liar. He only knows how to lie. Speaking lies is the devil's native language. If you remember the first encounter we have with the devil in all of Scripture, it's back in Genesis chapter 3, where he says to Eve, Did God really say that you guys can't eat anything from any of these trees? Did God really invent this paradise for you to enjoy and say you can't eat any of it? That's not what he said, right? Misrepresenting the fact. Devil is a liar. His strategy is to lie. And we'll talk more about how to uncover the lies of the devil. Not fall into the trap and go like, oh yeah, that sounds right. That sounds true. I think God did say that. But you go, no, 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 no. You're misquoting things. That's not what really happened here. The second enemy of the soul is the flesh. The urge, the force in your life that gives you encouragement, and we call it that gives you temptation, as well as permission to prioritize self-indulgent pleasures. Feels good? Do it. It's in your heart. It's probably there for a reason. You should explore that. We give in to the pleasures, the desires of the flesh a lot. Our culture is kind of, that's kind of its thing. Freedom. Do what you want. No one can stop you. You've got your rights. You want to indulge? If you want to go down that road, you should. Says that is an enemy of the soul and is a way to discipline yourself and to train yourself to resist that that will not lead to destruction. And the third enemy of the soul is the world. Again, here's that, that term, the world. This is the effect of what happens when the lies of the devil and the urges of the flesh are then kind of systematically adopted by a culture and saying, like, yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's all go along with it. 
And we'll see as we examine different scriptures from different parts of the Bible, this is kind of a, this, this ongoing understanding that this is how it works. These are three enemies of the soul, and they have specific strategies for how they're trying to pull you away from God, to get you off of the path of Christ that you've committed to walk. And if we know what their tricks are, then we can anticipate them. If it feels like there's something wrong with your shampoo when you're rinsing off at the beach, it's because there is, absolutely is, something wrong with your shampoo. And that is the thing you don't see. The guy behind you squirting more on your hair. And in the same way, if it feels like there's something wrong with your faith, like I started with, it's because there is. There is something going on. It's an unseen force that is trying to get you to fail. The devil, the flesh, and the world. And like I've referenced before, the good news is there are defenses and there are antidotes against these spiritual forces. There are ongoing spiritual practices that were important to Jesus and to early Christians, and they should be important to us as well. I'm going to briefly tell you what they are, but again, we're going to talk about this throughout the rest of this winter. The antidote to the devil's lies are quiet prayer and filling yourself with words of scripture. I'll go into it more next week, but think about Luke 4 and Matthew 4, where Jesus is led out into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil. How does he do battle with the devil? The word of God. Quote scripture. The devil says one thing, he says, no, 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 that's a lie. Here's the truth. Putting scripture in your heart. Knowing what the truth is, because the truth comes from God's word. The antidote to the desires of the flesh are fasting and confession. Two things I'm guessing we don't do as often as singing and fellowship, drinking coffee. There's things that we lean into, we like those things. Confession? Uh, I'm not so sure. Fasting? Already written that one off. Not going to do it. I've got all these reasons why not. But again, we'll talk more about that. And why? helpful and healthy in the discipline resisting the desires of the flesh. The antidote to the world is Christian community. Hey, guess what? You're in Christian community right now. You're making good decisions. As an antidote to the messages of the world that will try to lead you astray or tell you the things of God are not real or not true. It's important to have a group of people who remind one another of what really is so January and February, we're going to zoom in on these things. The devil, the flesh, and the world. We're going to examine scriptures. This isn't just me going, hey, here's what I think. We're going to hear what the New Testament authors think. We're going to see what Christians throughout history have done in understanding how to face these spiritual enemies. We're going to look at scriptures that talk about their common tricks. If this prankster's main thing, I mean, you can see he filmed this over and over again. His main trick in this video series was to squirt shampoo on somebody's head. You know that? Then guess what? The next time you shower at a public beach, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be like, ah, I know that's something he does. I don't want to end up on one of those videos. That's what we're going to equip ourselves for spiritually. Not falling for these tricks because we know what they are because we can identify them. This whole series, I have to admit, is inspired by a little book called Live No Lies by a Christian minister, pastor, author named John Mark Comer. There's information about that on the back of your uh, little bulletin sheet that you might have gotten. 
And you came in, but if you didn't, there's probably still some over there in the pointer. There's a picture of the book, and then there's a little QR code you can scan that'll uh, link you to a podcast where the author talks about it, the main ideas of the book. Sometimes that's what I do when I don't want to read a whole book, is I just listen to a podcast of an author talking about their book. I go, yeah, okay, I think I got it. Now I don't have to read. <laughs> this one I read, though. Uh, yeah. So I want you to be aware of that, and if you want to pick up this book and read it, you're going to get way more than what I'm going to be sharing from up here. Um, but it's, I think it's really helpful. What I want to end with this morning is practicing. It's a new year, it's a time for those disciplines. People ask, have you noticed this, by the way? When people ask about New Year's resolutions, it used to be like, I know what it is, and I'm happy to share it with you. It's like, I want to share it with you because need help with this. I need some accountability. I don't know if that was just a back-in-the-day thing, but so far this year, most of the people I say, hey, do you have a new resolution? Ah, no, 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 I don't think so, for some reason or another. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to, just because that's a thing, but I'm observing that more and more people are like, ah, I'm not going to tell you what it is, and I'm not going to make one because I might keep it, and I might not. It's kind of arbitrary, the turning of the calendar, but it is also an opportunity to say, okay, maybe there's something missing in my life. Maybe discipline, one of those things I know is good, but I have a hard time carrying out for various reasons. The reason I chose this series at this time in the calendar is because it's a good way to start the year. Put back into some spiritual disciplines that maybe we've neglected, or maybe we've been doing, but we don't fully understand why. I'm excited to journey with you guys and to do this together, to say, hey, I have a New Year's resolution. It has to do with my prayer life. It has to do with filling my heart with words from Scripture. So like I said, what we're going to do to end this morning is just take some of this book's advice. It's the antidote has to do with praying and filling our hearts with words from Scripture. And even praying prayers of confession, we're going to do that right now. And here's how. It's not scary. Don't do this. Uh, it's, it's going to be fine. We're, I'm going to end by just reading three prayers from Scripture. One is Jesus teaching his disciples, including us, how to pray. You're going to recognize this one. The next one is from John 17, where Jesus has a prayer of what he wants for his followers. And then the third one is from the prophet Daniel. It's earlier than the time of Jesus and the early church. It's this reminder that, like, man, God, you've been faithful, even when we haven't been faithful. And we want you to continue so I'm going to read these prayers, and I want you to listen. They'll be on the screen, too, so you can follow along. But while I'm reading them, I want you to see if one word or phrase jumps out at you. And what I want you to do is remember that. I want you to take that and put it, put it right here. Or right now, put it here. And take it into your week. Because what we're going to see throughout this series is that Scripture is, you may already know this, it's very useful yeah. against combating the lies of the devil the flesh, attitudes, the persuasion of the world. I want you to test this. What I'm saying is one thing. I want you to, to try it out this week. I want you to take that one word or phrase, and I want that to just be your mantra. I want you to say that. I want you to rem remember that. If you're in a situation where it feels like someone's putting shampoo in your hair, if it feels like there's a spiritual force trying to pull you away from being kind, or from doing the right thing, or from being selfish or unselfish, then I want you to use this. Take this scripture that you're going to put in your, your tool belt right now. And I want
want you to remember. And then we'll come back next week to talk about how to pray. So, here are some prayers for us to consider. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus also said this, My prayer is not for them alone, his, his disciples, that he walked and talked with and with them here. My prayer is not for them Alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, and that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are. I and them brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And this prayer from Daniel. I pray to the Lord my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God and kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay. Because your city and your people bear something is wrong, something is off in our hearts. We feel these forces pulling against us, pulling us away from you. We sometimes don't know what to do. But we thank you that there's forgiveness in Christ. We thank you there's wisdom in your word. And my prayer for myself and for our church 
as we begin this new year is that we will have ears to hear, minds and hearts to retain your word, to do battle against these spiritual forces. May we be victorious because of Christ, because of the power of your word. Lord, open our eyes to see things that we don't see, to not fall for the same traps again and again. Strengthen us through communities, through confession, through spiritual disciplines, meditating on your word, going to you in prayer and fasting and living in Christian community with one another. We're thankful for these avenues. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.